Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Confabulation. Today we're just going to be talking about social workers, burnout, and how to prevent it, and why we get burnt out so quickly, and ways that maybe agencies, things agencies can practice to prevent social work burnout, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't know about you guys, but ever since we've moved to like online helping clients online we've getting we've been getting lots of calls and we've been getting excessive i feel like i've been really burnt out since covid it wasn't as bad at first but now it's just like i i don't know oh yeah um yeah. Um, yeah. Since COVID, I think a lot of the, because I'm the legal advocate, a lot of the legal issues have skyrocketed and, um, and with that, a, a lot of our clients are more anxious. They're more demanding. They're more, um, they're going through more. Because I, I think they got stuck with their abusers through COVID and then a lot of stuff escalated. Um, but yeah, I just I just feel like they're they're just more they have more anxiety and they're more demanding, which it's not not their fault. They don't understand what we go through. They're just trying to get help. I get that. But the toll it takes on us emotionally and mentally and physically, like that, you know, I was saying um, how I get headaches a lot now when I'm talking to a client sometimes. And, um, and I know it's just from the stress. Um, and then, so I, what I kind of do to combat that is I, I establish a certain rapport with my clients from day one. You know, um, so if I'm talking to, if I have an appointment with a client and I'm just feeling that I can't serve them to my best ability because I'm stressed out or, you know, I, you know, I, I just previously talked to another client that just took a lot out of me. I'll try and reschedule with that client and, and but I'll tell them why. I'll just say, you know, I, I, it's a lot dealing with, you know, other people's issues. And I don't think I can, you know, service you to the best of my ability right now. Can we reschedule? Because I'm, I'm having a, I'm, I'm just having a hard time handling things today. And I don't, I don't, I think that's a good thing to tell them. They should know what we go through. Um, and I think that creates some, camaraderie between you and your client too because they're going through it and then you're going through it too but as long as you keep your professionalism and and you say to them or i say to them you know this just isn't the best day can we do it tomorrow or later on this afternoon um and they're really understanding they're like no i get it no of course we can do it tomorrow or or we can do it later this afternoon or, or whatever. So that's just kind of how I handle it because if I don't, I know I'll start getting frustrated and I won't be served again.
like they deserve to, to be served, right? And because that's my job. But yeah, it's really frustrating right now. Um, the, just, just what we have to deal with right now. I think one of my biggest issues is that they expect us to be like miracle workers and they'll list out, they'll have a whole entire list of demands that aren't possible. Like they don't want to go into shelter and they prefer a hotel, but they don't have anywhere to go after the hotel stay. So they're back where they're at. So a lot of them ask for temporary fixes, which we at our sister's house, we don't believe in giving out temporary fixes. We want to make sure that if we're helping you, it's to help you be more stable, find housing or something more permanent. And they're like, well, I just need to get out of the rain. I need to go take a shower. And I'm like, yes, and a shelter can provide you with those same exact things. And especially if they hear about the resources we've offered previous clients, they don't understand that that previous client had a different situation whereby they qualify for this. And now they don't qualify for that. And they're, they don't understand that. And some of them do understand and some of them are like, yes, I understand, but I'm not willing to go to a shelter. And I'm just like, well, that's all I can help you with. I can give you other places that give out hotel vouchers, but there, but that's also not a guarantee. So that's one of the things that, that really stresses me out is when someone's looking for shelter, especially because it's so hard to find. And I just don't think that we should be doing all the work for them. That's another thing is a lot of clients expect us to do a lot of the work and they don't want to do anything. Like they'll constantly call us back talking about, have we talked to this place? Have we talked to that place? When I've sent you the number and you're supposed to call them and tell them your story because they all like the places always want to hear from the clients anyway. And they don't understand how a lot of these nonprofits function and how we function. They kind of just expect for them to be given something. Yeah, because as the legal advocate, I can't fill out their stuff for them. I can't fill out their legal paperwork for them. I can't do their declarations for them. I can go through their declarations and make suggestions. I can't give legal advice. And they don't understand that. It's like, well, what do I do now? Give me advice. I can't give you legal advice. I can't do those things for you. You need to do them yourselves. And yeah, the enabling, um, the, it, but then I, you know, but then too, I kind of look at it like they're not, they've been controlled. Um, and so everything is being done for them. Um, they are told what to do. Um, that autonomy, that agency, they lose that. And so when they get with us, or at least when they get with me, you can tell that they just don't understand anymore that you have choices now. You've left your abuser. Now you have choices, you know, and you have responsibilities, especially if they have kids you know, and we're doing a parenting plan. Um, so yeah, Joy, I, I, I totally. Yeah. For me, I think 
um, you know, transitioning since we've been working from home before that, I thought I had a good balance of, you know, doing a lot of different things like program development or healthy relationships, um, you know, working in high schools or doing outreach um, and then also having direct services. And right now it's, you know, one basically, you know, almost a hundred percent direct services. And, you know, that can you know be, you know, kind of overwhelming at times, you know, especially when, you know, everybody's extremely desperate and, you know, everything's been exacerbated, you know, because of everything going on. And, you know, like Joy said, you know, I'm not, you know, Jesus, you know, I, I'm not solving, you know, everybody's problem. I'm just leading you kind of in a direction, you know, where you can go. Um, I don't so much like, like to just give somebody a phone number, you know, tell them, you know, call this place, call this place, but, you know, kind of a warm handoff if I can, or if I, you know, know, you know, this resource or nobody's someone that works at another agency and, you know, let them know they'll be calling and, you know, to work with them. Um, and I think that helps out a little bit, you know, but also, you know, can be difficult and sometimes isn't, you know, possible to do. Um, but, you know, especially with housing and shelter, you know, there's a lot of different things and it's, it can be, you know, easy to generalize, you know, someone's picky to go into a shelter, they, you know, want to get a hotel right now, but they don't have anywhere to go after. Um, and it can be really difficult. And, you know, I've had grown a lot being able to tell people, like, I don't want to tell someone no, or no, I can't do that for you. That's not possible. Sorry, there's nothing I can do. That's, you know, been kind of difficult. But, you know, I've realized that, you know, I'm not able to do everything, you know, and at some point, people, you know, have to be realistic and I have to be realistic also where I'm not able to solve everybody's problems. And, you know, sometimes I just have to, you know, put that, you know, sometimes if I'm thinking about it, just kind of remind myself, look, there's nothing really you can do. You just have to, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah, I think yeah sometimes I get that stress of, you know, uh, when there's something goes on or my and then when I there's not necessarily a resource that I can think of personally or there's a resource that is not necessarily catered um we are not catered for their um I guess their situation um and sometimes it's kind of hard because you want to each each one of my clients always want to leave like I help them do something um so like I try to look up whatever resource and sometimes that could be stressful. So that's my take. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge lack of like resources and especially if like a nonprofit advertises that they do something and then the client calls back and they're like, no, they don't do that. And that's the only resource that does that. And they're like, so what's next? And there is no next option. It's kind of like, we're both stuck and you feel stuck with that client. And I don't, and that's a burden I feel like a lot of us get. And I'm trying to figure out how to not carry that burden around anymore without damaging like our reputation or damaging like how a client will see a social worker or how a client will seek help next. Like I don't ever want to give them that perception of social work, but that's typically what has to end up happening because 
there's nothing we can do and a lot of the times they don't understand that as soon as I get like find out about a new resource I write it down and I try to tell like I'll tell my clients about it immediately if I remember a client who needed that even if it was like a week ago I'll be like hey I just found this resource try them out let me know how it goes and sometimes you don't hear back from them and sometimes you do so that's another thing is you never know what happened to some of our clients and that's another burden that we carry yeah but i think that's just the nature of dealing in the world of domestic violence like people disappear P people disappear and they pop back up and they disappear again or they just disappear um i think that's just the nature of this uh, industry and you, you can only do what you can do um, and um, the resources really help like yeah I know like you and Gabe if you have a resource you know you guys are always telling everybody about it if your client needs this here's a resource for it which is which is really helpful um, I, mo most of my clients are they don't really need those resources they've gotten to the point by the time they get to me they've gotten to the point where they're not homeless they're either in a hotel or living with a relative or they already have housing or they have their own housing um because the end of the line is the legal stuff right unless it's a dvpo the end of the line is you know their worries are not filing for divorce or filing for a parenting plan or filing for a modification or whatever. Um, you know, and they, they, they first have to be stable um, and then they worry about st that stuff. So nine times out of 10, my clients are, have already um, had that taken care of. Um, or, or you guys have helped them take care of that, right? Um, so that's not so much an issue to me. My issue is, is that so many of them need mental health therapy and, and um, or group therapy. And, the, you know, because of COVID, it's just not a lot of it out there not a lot of resources for them because a lot of them just don't have any money and they don't have any insurance. It's a big problem. Mental health is, I think is the biggest problem and is the, you know, biggest reason for, you know, homelessness and why people stay homeless and, you know, shelter, you know, think, Oh, you can just go to a shelter and sleep there at night. But like I was reading an article where the majority of, people that are homeless would rather sleep outside because they have mental health problems or, you know, problems yeah. with drug addiction or something like that. And a shelter is not going to, you know, solve that. Um, so I know like the, you know, County is really talking or trying to push, you know, more access to mental health resources and different things like that, you know, and I think people have to overcome that, you know, in order to kind of keep moving forward. Um, and, that's, and then in our position, you know, I'm not, you know, qualified to, you know, teach you or help you with your, you know, mental health issues. I, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, tell you what to do with that. And I always have to refer people, you know, out. Um, 
you know, just because I don't, you know, know enough about it to give you, you know, good or relevant advice. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, us not having an on-site mental health, um, well, we do have our group therapy, right? We have Sister Seeking Change, and, um, and, and, and we do have um, Miss Natalie. Um, but I, I think that, that these clients need more intense mental health services. And we did, we did have a client, I mean, a contract with the city before COVID hit for that. Um, and then, and now we just, you know, they, they've stalled on it because they don't have the manpower to, um, um, facilitate the, the uh, grant that we got, but which is a shame because now this is when we need these mental health um, resources the most. But um, yeah, they need they need mental health. Uh, you're right, Gabe. Above all, because need, yeah, if you yeah. don't have you know solve your mental health problems, you know you're not going to be able to work. And if you're not able to work, you're not going to have money to get, you know, housing or, you know, different things like that. And yeah. then, you know, mental health also affects, you know, your relationships with different people or you've been so isolated that you're just depressed and don't have, you know, motivation to do anything. So I think that's, you know, a really important, you know, starting point. Yeah, yeah. The only issue is a lot of people don't want to start off with mental health because they're more thinking about their basic needs, like getting a home, getting stabilized. Then after that, it's working. So they put all their mental health on the back burner. And then sooner or later, they end up losing that housing. And a lot of the clients I've had this um, since COVID, they're like, I had housing, something happened, and now I'm homeless again. And they can't tell me specifically what happened. They'll just well, yeah, usually blame it on domestic violence. Like, and the home would have been in their name, but now their abuser is living in their home, and now they're in search of another home. So it's things like that. And another thing that just gets to me is when clients have one day before they're evicted, and now they're calling us asking us for rental assistance, or their lights are already turned off, and now they're asking us when they could have been making those phone calls. So yeah. like kind of heighten my anxiety in a sense because now you're like you're putting more pressure on me and yourself because you have an hour until your electricity gets turned off or an hour before you get kicked out of your house and it takes a while to find these resources and it takes a while to do an intake it's not things that happen right away and a lot of them don't understand that um a lot of the times they're like can you give me this and then i'll call back and do an intake and it's like no because that's not how our funding works and i'm not allowed to do that like we also have rules placed on us and yeah that we can't cross yeah and and the accessing and gathering collateral information for to get help it's not like yeah here's a check go pay your electric bill these places want collateral information on these clients and that takes time to gather and you know, either email it over or fax it over or have the client take it over. It, it th These things take time and you can't, I mean, it goes back to what you said, Joy, we're not miracle workers. We can't 
solve everyone's problem and everyone's issue like that. It, it just, that's not realistic. Um, but I think because a lot of times they're so desperate that, that you know, it's kind of like, I mean, you know, what's it gonna hurt to ask? But when I don't, I don't know what's happening with the, you know, I'm getting ready to lose my apartment or I'm getting ready to have my lights shut off. And then, yeah, you're getting ready to, and the getting ready to is the next day. Like what, what are you dealing with in those in between times that you can't call and reach out to some agency to try and get the resources you need? That's kind of a disconnect. Um, and that creates a lot of stress for, especially you guys, because you you guys deal with that more than I do. And also them hiding certain facts from us, that's another thing that really hurts their case. Like if you're hiding a fact from us and then I call another nonprofit that's worked with you before and they reveal all this information about you that you didn't tell me, that hinders your process into getting help so if they're not able to be honest with us um that really hurts me wanting to help them because now I just look at you differently like what else are you lying about what else are you hiding from me like that just hurts them in the long run yeah a lot and of they don't understand brings to the other point of these other agencies that um just sit there and don't do anything they just refer people over to us without doing anything the things we know they can help that client with right and then and then specific um issues that we are used to dealing with um then they could refer the client over but there's a lot of things these other agencies who shall remain nameless, but you know who you are if you're watching this, just refer and refer and refer and call you, Joy, or call Gabe and say, you know, I'm referring this client over. How come you didn't help this client with this situation? We, we're a specific agency. We do specific things. And, the, and, and, and we don't have as much funding as those other agencies. They just refer over like, uh, we don't want to deal with that client here, here you go. Like we're a dumping ground for clients they don't want to deal with. Maybe that's how they deal with, that, <laughs> with not having social work burnout, but then they don't realize they're making us have burnout too. Oh, they realize it, they just don't care. They realize it, they know exactly what they're doing. They just don't care, you know? And, and, and that's my position. Um, there's no way they don't know. They know about us, they know what we do, they know what we specialize in. And quite frankly, I'm calling them out on the carpet. I don't have to mention names, you know who we are. Um, so for them to do those kinds of things and they do it a lot with black clients, mm -hmm. they do like you, you, there's certain things that no matter who that client is, black, white, I don't care. 
that you know you help clients with that you can help that this specific client with and then refer them over to to us um, that that deals with more with black women's issues right but they don't do that yeah like um one of these agencies called us recently to ask about what our requirements were and i told them like word for word what they were and they were still referring clients over that didn't meet that criteria and it's really hard for me to tell a client like oh you don't meet the criteria then they get angry with me and it's just like it's not something i can help like there's criteria set up by our funders that we can't cross and the fact that this agency told you that we can help you and that's not the truth that makes us look bad like well yeah that's exactly what i'm saying is that creates that's part of our stress you know that creates stress for us but it also is not servicing the client and you are the client is already has high anxiety going through a lot of things may have mental health issues and then the client has to be re-traumatized because you don't want to do your part in servicing this client i have no problem with clients having several agencies they're dealing with because those agencies specialize in certain things and those are that those clients needs. I think we should all work together. But when you just palm eight clients off like that, you're hurting the client as well as creating a lot of stress for us um, as workers in a nonprofit. And like you said, Joy, yeah, and then it makes us look bad you know and then the client gets frustrated and then the client takes it out on you or gabe or david or me when that shouldn't even be the case i think the best way to prevent burnout is if each and every single nonprofit actually learned everyone's requirements what are your special grants what do you require have so then it so then we don't have to tell clients no it's like no. okay we know that you already meet the criteria let's do an intake and like let's just assess how much we need to help you out with it's like this is what we can give now this is the next nonprofit that can help you with that aspect of it so then we're only wow. not having to deal with shelter rental assistance and hotels like if we specifically just only did hotels then and you only refer clients to meet our criteria that would help us out yeah. a lot because yeah. working with so many different elements that we have to deal with. Yeah. And learning more like about nonprofits is just really sad that like everything is just so secretive of what, what resources you have and are willing to give out when there really should just be a big spreadsheet of everybody's resources, what they offer, how much they can give. Um, and, you know, not withholding, you know, information because, you know, <laughs> In the end, it ultimately, you know, hurts the people that we're trying to help. Um, so that communication, we were trying to, you know, bridge that gap, I think, earlier this year. And then everything kind of, with everything going on, that kind of, you know, didn't really happen. Um, but, you know, I think definitely trying to, you know, bridge that communication gap between, you know, agencies is, you know, going to be important, you know, to help these people in the long term. Yeah.
You're awfully quiet, David. <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel. I think when it comes... Go ahead, David. No, I was saying when it comes to at least our agency, I think, I think a lot of people know what exactly we do. So uh, we don't get that many calls where people just refer weird calls. Um, there are some times where somebody refers somebody that's in the wrong county, like they'll refer somebody that is in Thurston or King County. And then I have to, you know, kind of turn them to, you know, some other resources in King County. But um, for us, don't necessarily have that problem. But um, I could see how that could definitely play a, uh, a part in the stress i don't know how you guys feel but you know when i talk to a lot of different people um you know providing emotional support can be pretty overwhelming a lot of times and pretty stressful um especially when you know i'm talking to multiple different people and you know listening to all these stories and you know sometimes i'm the only one that they've ever you know talked to and it, it can be kind of really stressful and overwhelming to have to be, you know, this only source of emotional support for this person. Um, so I don't know how you guys feel. How do you handle um, providing, you know, because that's one thing I think I struggle with is providing that, you know, emotional support, you know, just because as me, like I'm a very realistic and, you know, logical person and not super, you know, involved in, you know, emotions. Um, but, you know, I try to be logical and real realistic, and I think that's sometimes what people, you know, need to hear, but also I want to be able to work on, you know, providing that extra layer of emotional support. So what do you think, or how do you guys handle that so it's not overwhelming, or what do you do with, you know, the clients that you see that need, you know, a lot of emotional support? I personally, because at first I used to like hear out their whole entire story and be like, and like tell them all these DV facts about how it's not their fault, that they're going to get through it. And I tell them that they're strong for leaving and it takes so much for someone to leave and they've taken the first necessary step in leaving. But I've learned that by doing that, then they're constantly calling me, texting me like, and soon I'm their unlicensed therapist and that puts a burden on me so usually when they tell me their story I'm like I'm so sorry to hear that and I just want to let you know I'm not a professional counselor everything you've experienced is not your fault at all but I would like to recommend you to someone who can help you someone who can actually break this down for you and um, help you contain all your thoughts and help you get your story out there so after I tell them that, they usually um, stop relaying their story. And a lot of the times when they are relaying their story before we've gotten the intake process down and we've gotten down like exactly what we're going to be doing for them, I tell them like, hey, I want to hear your story. I want to listen to it and I want to be there for you. But right now we need to focus on the important aspects. I need to get you into this hotel room or I need to get you into the shelter and you're taking time away from getting that. 
And once we get you into the safe place, then I'm gonna refer you over to a counselor who can help you um, go through all of that. I think it's just being very honest with them. And Yeah, I think you, you and Gabe and David um, experienced that. I mean, we all experience it. The only difference in my situation is is that it's such a tightrope to walk that um, legal side with the advocacy side because when the legal stuff comes up, there's there's paperwork to fill out and there are deadlines to meet and there is strategy to plan. And so I'll listen to, plus I don't wanna re-traumatize them because if one of you guys have referred that client to me, which is normally the case, I'm assuming they've already told their story and I only need enough of their story to plan strat strategy for them or to, um, to advise them on um, certain things. Um, well, not advice, because I can't give them legal advice, but to try and help them facilitate what they want in a better manner as it pertains to their paperwork and their declarations and stuff. Um, but um, I find, and to be honest, I can't listen to your whole story. I mean, and you're re-traumatizing yourself by telling it, A, I only need pertinent information. Um, and then I find the longer I have a client and the more I talk to them, the more information, bits of information I get, which actually kind of works for me because if you sit down and tell me your whole story, A, you're re-traumatizing yourself again, all over again, and B, um, it's, it's way too stressful for me because I have that legal aspect connected to it where you guys have that resource aspect connected to it. Look, I'd like to listen to the whole story, like Joy is saying, but I gotta get you into some sort of housing or a shelter. I gotta find um, you know, a way for you to eat, you and your kids to eat. I gotta find um, a, a way for you to do this, that, or the other, right? So it's kind of the same thing. It's just you guys deal with the resources more and then I deal with the legal stuff more but at the end of the day it's it's really stressful for all of us you know because those stories and they have a right to have their story heard but those stories I mean I don't know about you guys but I can only maybe take two of those a day right I can't I can't I cannot listen effectively and actively to more than two of those stories a day because it's stressful for us to listen to and it and and by the end of the day you're just exhausted you're mentally and emotionally exhausted how about you david Um, I was about to say something that I heard um, Jill saying, like them retelling their story is um, kind of, you know, 
them reliving their trauma and I never thought of it that way um, so that's a good bit of, bit of advice for myself because sometimes I know there's some clients that don't talk that much and there's some other clients that like like to talk more um, and that's fine um, some of them at first I let them you know tell their story um, but at the same time I also let them know that you know okay there's things that you need to get done I understand that you know it's been difficult and I affirm them saying, yes, you know, all that stuff. But um, I'm like, okay, but we need to get certain things done. Um, and so I, I try to keep them, get people that are, you know, reliving their trauma or telling their whole story longer, not longer than it should be, but because um, your story is important. But, you know, you also have another story that's your future. Um, and yeah. so we, we got to plan for your future and, you know, your past is your past, but we can make you a better, well, you can become better, but you know, you got to start, you know, doing things for yourself um, as we help you out, assist you. Yeah. I think that's, I think you worded it really good that uh, you have a story that happened to you and that's important, but you're creating this next story and what are you going to, what are the steps you're going to take for your future? I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I like that too, David. Well, well said. Um, yeah, um, and I, I think I'm going to steal that and use that. I, I am too. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, in essence, really what we need to be working on is your future. One thing I do ask them is, what do you want? What do you want to see happen? And then, okay, if you want to see this, that happen, these are the steps we need to get there. Um, and so in, in doing that, um, it kind of keeps them on track. And, and it's not so much... You know, there have been clients we've had that every single time you talk to them, they start from the beginning of their trauma and their abuse and, and they tell it all over again and they don't even realize they're re-traumatizing themselves um, and they don't realize how much of an emotional toll it takes on us to listen to it two, three, four times over again. And, and and you're not making any progress toward dealing with their future. You're just sitting there listening. Um, and that is the job of, quite frankly, a therapist or a counselor, right? That's, we're, that's, not, that's not our job. Yeah, can, can um, we do that? But like Gabe said, it's, 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 extremely time consuming. It's not getting to the goal, like David is saying, that of their future. And it's really emotion takes an emotional toll on us. Yeah. But I think it is important to initially hear someone's story, because if you don't know where they're coming from, you're not going to really know, you know, what how the best way to serve them or what their needs are, if they're in danger, if they're not in danger, you know, what they're you know, priorities are. Um, so I think it is important to, you know, initially hear that story until you can get a good grasp of their situation and kind of be able to figure out, you know, between each other what what you can do to, you know, best serve them and what their goals are, like Jill was saying. I think that's, you know, important. But, yeah, that's where I appreciate yeah. 
you and Joy and David, because by the time you guys referred the client to me, you guys have initially heard basically their story, right? And um, so, you know, to you guys, because um, have I sat and listened to the whole story? Yes, I have. I have spent an hour, two hours, two and a half hours on the phone with a client when I when they're initially referred to me. But I have over time learned how to how to cut that down and steer them to um, where they want to go. Um, and and it's and it's unfortunate that I have to do that, but I'm I'm not the court system. I gotta follow those rules. And if that's what if if XYZ is what you want to see happen, um, then I have enough information to to hopefully get you there. But I I cannot afford to sit with every client all the time and rehash their story. And so I find myself trying to keep them on track. Okay, yeah, okay, I get that. But look, we need to do this. You know, I do it with empathy and sympathy, but I have to do it. There's, otherwise, I I can't service you. Yeah, and I think it's important too for people not to dwell so much on the past. You know, I think it is important to recognize what's happened, but not let it be so impactful towards you that it's going to affect what you're doing now or what's what it's going to affect what you're going to be doing for your future for yourself or for your kids or whoever it is um and you know realizing that what you've experienced still has impacted you and maybe is the reason why you're at where you are now but now you've got to start figuring out what you're going to do today what you're going to do tomorrow you know in order to you know get out of the situation that you're in yeah um what ways do you guys practice self-care i know jill you said that you reschedule on clients but if you're feeling overwhelmed how do you practice self-care um i just keep my schedule i look every week at who i'm who i have to deal with and 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 it well boils down to me getting to really know my client not just their story of abuse but who they who they are aside from the abuse who are you you know what kind of person you are how you know how do you do certain things and so once i've assessed that you know sort of i do sort of an assessment in my head on them once i've assessed that i know how they are i know this client is this way i know that client is that way so then I look at what we're trying to accomplish throughout the week and my deadlines for them and I'll schedule accordingly. Like Mondays, I don't really like, I don't, I like to keep my Mondays light because I'm coming off my weekend where my time is to myself. And I don't, and for me, jumping right into that isn't helpful for me. So I keep my Mondays pretty light. Now, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll go full force, but I'll schedule people in a certain way, right? Um, Like, I know I want to have my lunch. I don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to get on the computer. I just want to have my lunch, right? 
and I give myself breaks throughout the day. So I schedule them accordingly during the day. Like, and I know myself, right? I know I'm not a morning person. So most of my, um, un unless they have to have it that way, I schedule talking, my phone calls and whatnot, mostly in late morning and afternoon, right? And on Fridays, like today, um, I keep that light too. I keep it really light because I just want to be able to down, just to take myself out of everything um, and so I can be prepared to service my clients. So my heavy days are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My light days are Monday coming off a weekend and Friday going into a weekend. Um, and then I just do me. There are clients who text and call during the weekend or late on Friday or, you know, I may glance at the phone and see what they need, but I don't reply to them until Monday. Um, and I don't, which I do, uh, that's what I use my mornings for. Um, I don't reply to them on Monday. They are, and I, this is, you know, the reality of social work. I take myself completely out of it because I can't save the world. I take myself completely out of it. My weekends are my time and they are not for work. They are not for clients. They are not for solving other people's problems because I have my own problems to solve and I have my own family to attend to. So that's basically how, how I kind of do it. I'm thinking that maybe one thing we can do for me and Gabe to prevent burnout is we call the client, we see what they need, and we text them resources and we schedule a day for their intake. Because that might help. Oh boy, yeah, because that's what I do. When you, when you or Joy or David send me um, someone, I, that's what I do. I don't see them or talk to them that day. I text them and ask them to contact me back to set an appointment to talk to them. I don't talk to them right off the bat. And I think that's what's really having me and Gabe burned out is that we immediately have to talk to them, immediately have to do an intake, and immediately have to do resources. And then it's like the next client, we have to immediately do that. Yeah. It might help us if we actually schedule it out, even if it's emergent for them here are some shelter numbers you can call like and then once we get to the intake we do your intake see who you've called and then go from there yeah and then it would also help um us see who the serious clients are who really need help and who really want to get the help because a lot of these clients as soon as we're done with an intake from them we don't hear from them and it also places some responsibility on the clients to make sure that they're getting the help they need and that they're also doing something for themselves to make sure that they're getting the assistance that they were calling for. Do you and Gabe, um, well, I know David, you work in a different capacity, so you kind of have to work with it as they call because you do the phone lines and stuff too. But do you and Gabe feel like um, you could manage things better for your own peace of mind and help the client better if you did that if you if you 
you know, talked to the client and, and just maybe got an initial, what are your needs? And then let's, let's schedule a time to really talk in depth so you can hear their story yeah. and address their needs. I think that would be good because a lot of times, you know, when people initially call and I'm talking to them and I do an intake all at once, you know, their story can sometimes, you know, get lost or isn't really, you know, expressed to the full extent that maybe they need it to be or that I need to hear to, you know, be able to help them as, you know, best as I can. And, you know, setting an appointment, I think that really gives them a block of time where, you know, they're actually serious about, you know, getting help and they want this help. Um, and, you know, I'm serious about, you know, being able to listen to you and, you know, tell you the things that you need and um, be able to help you out. You know, I'm just worried about the people that, you know, are initially call and are in danger immediately and need that assistance immediately. There's, but I think there does need to be some type of balance. Yeah, but you could you could assess that at the initial phone call. If it's not an emergency or an emergent need, then you you can schedule an appointment. But the thing is, a lot of uh, clients make it seem like it's emergent. So I guess it's also up to your best assessment as to how emergent it is. Wow. I think emergent wow. has to be. Um, and if they're still in the house with their abuser, I feel like at that point, like we can't really do anything until you leave. Um, yeah, because most of our services are centered around that, except for safety planning. Yeah. So I think it's more like, listen, we are here for you. Call us as soon as you leave. Text us. Um, here are some initial resources you can contact for shelter. And once you leave, call us back. And um, call us back, schedule an appointment, and then we could really assi assist you. And I think it would help us too, because it's usually like back to back to back, like, and then their stories get blurred and you're also lost in the mess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would really help us help our clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, David, you're just in a different position. You're, you're just in a different position from, because you, you do the, the, the phones a lot at FJC and how do you, what are you thinking? When I get the phones? Yeah. I mean, from us, I don't know if you have the luxury to do what Joy and Gabe could do and what I do. Oh, do, um, do the intakes? We'll schedule, schedule the intakes. Yeah. Oh, schedule the intakes. Um, I don't do any necessarily scheduling um, for me. Um, what we do, I'm on the helpline right now when people call. Um, I'll just usually take the phone call unless they like, unless I see that it needs like more than, you know, safety planning and um, some, like a few resources. Um, like if they need like a violence protection order, if they're experiencing DV and they probably are looking for a family plan, then I'll um, give them to another, um, send them up to another advocate. So that's what we do when we're on the helpline. We, I guess, have, I, I if, I'll, if I'm on the helpline, I'll send them to another advocate. So I'll do, get their number, I'll get their um, zip code and their name and maybe a few other details and then 
send it off to um, one of our um, advocates, Nadeshka, or something like that. So you're you're kind of not. I mean, you have the advocates at FJC can refer out to, or Gabe, or me, or Joy. Yeah. So you kind of field that out. Yeah. Where I think it's more important for Gabe and Joy maybe to take those, um, make those appointments if it's not an emergent need at the time. Maybe, I mean, maybe that that would help because a couple of people that you sent me, David, I talked to and I explained the process to them and I explained the realities of dealing with the judicial system and family law and which I'm obligated, to, you know, um, and then they never call me back. I yeah. think they, they may get you know, intimidated by dealing with the legal system, but that's just the reality. I mean, you know, it, 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 the legal system is what it is. I can't change that. And, but I will not lie to my clients and say, oh, this is going to be easy. Oh, you'll get, oh, you'll get that or this. I can't do that. I have to be upfront with them about what is, what you're net, realistically looking at. And that requires them to gather a lot of strength. And sometimes they're just not ready to after, right after they've left their abuser. They need to deal with other mental health issues or just the issue of you know, getting their agency back um, and realizing what they've been through. So, yeah. Yeah, and if I refer them, I'll let them know. I, I don't give them a guarantee. I say we have um, OSH has legal advocate to uh, legal advocates. Um, they possibly could help you, um, depending on what the information they gave me, and then I'll I'll put it as a possibility, and that's all I give them. I don't lead them on or anything. Yeah. Um, sometimes they just don't think they can handle that type of um, involvement right at this time. And I get that because the, and that's a whole nother confabulation topic about what the legal system does to victims of, of domestic violence. I think it's horrific what they do. I think it's horrific how they treat victims of domestic violence. I think there needs to be a lot of policy changes and legislative changes, but that's a whole nother topic. So I think this, this conversation honestly helped me out, just being able to kind of know that I'm not the only one struggling with this, because I thought like, I don't know, I thought it was just me. I know it was Gabe because we've been talking about it a little bit, but I'm glad to know that everyone is struggling with the same thing. And I think by having this debrief, like, I think it's released a lot of anxiety about this job and about the solution for you and Gabe too, how to route your, how to do something. 
that's a possible solution, what we were talking about, the scheduling. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to have to start doing, because if not, I can see us getting burned out, like, by Monday. Yeah, so I think that's what we're going to start doing, is scheduling clients, because once again, I feel like I personally have been like, yes, I give them exactly what they need, but I don't think that I've been helping them a whole lot holistically because I'm so tired and I know that there's another phone call waiting for me to return. So I think by having that option, benefit the clients as well. Yeah, it, it helps me. I, I will definitely say that it helps me um, because I don't have, like there was a time where we, there was a period of time where I had a lot of phone calls and referrals from you guys and I was just fielding them and I was like, mm -mm, I'm not doing that. I'm going to text you. I don't even call them. I text because if you call them, then they start talking about their story and I want to wait. Right. Um, and so I'll text them and tell them who I am and who and how I got their referral and um and and here's the times i'm available what works for you let's set up a time to talk and do an and do an intake yeah and i think that allows people to respect our time as advocates too and also allows us to you know respect their time as a client because we've specifically reserved this whole hour for you to talk about your situation and i if i've done that I'm not worrying about anything else. I'm specifically focused on your needs, what you need to talk about and what we can do moving forward. And I think setting that time where that's, you know, my sole focus, I'm not worried about anything else um, is a good, effective way and efficient way, you know, to help people. It might not work, you know, necessarily for everybody because everybody's situation is different. It may be more urgent, but I think in general, it's good to have a good balance of that. Oh, go ahead, Joy. Sorry. A thing I'm learning is I'm not going to let clients rush me. Like, I'm not going to let you rush me or put any pressure on me because of your situation. This is your situation. I usually tell them another thing we could tell them is while you're waiting, you could go on our website and look up these resources for yourself and give them a call until our appointment because them yeah. working me and putting pressure on me does not help their situation like i have clients that are like i'm out here in the rain well i've given you phone numbers to call and you're busy texting me like that doesn't make any sense to me um and then they put a lot of pressure on you when they don't realize that you have 20 other clients that are out there in the rain too so yeah. i think yeah. making yeah. sure i don't let clients put pressure on me is a huge thing yeah. that i'm gonna take yeah. And that scheduling situation works both ways, right? It doesn't put all that pressure on you. Um, and you're, you can be more effective in helping your client. If, like Gabe said, you schedule that half hour, hour out just dedicated to them. And I, I find my clients appreciate that. Like, I'm not answering any other phone calls. This is your hour let's let's get done what we need to get done and see what we can do in that hour and it's dedicated to you no one else and then after you're done with that client you could take a moment for yourself to like 
maybe even like 15 minutes of like self-care before you return that next phone call. Because I think another thing is like having the urgency to pick up the phone. I think it's, we can let them go to voicemail, return their phone call, schedule an appointment and go on to our next client who have, we have an hour with. That yeah. would be really yeah. Uh, and if they leave a voicemail and you know it's an emergency, an emergent issue that you can help with, then you can deal with that. But it, but then it, it separates everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was a great episode. Um, I hope everyone got something they could take away from this. I know I definitely did. And, um, I hope that this will help prevent burnout and will help us be more stable when helping our clients. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll get, still, we're always going to have to deal with burnout, but it's just the way that we deal with it so that we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of our clients. Yeah. Um. I hope everyone has a good weekend and um, everyone got something to take away from this. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Confabulation.